Christmas stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And we got a treat today. And when you get in this business, the great thing that you get to do is meet some of the most creative, fun people. And this is one of the most fun people I have ever met in my life. One of the most creative people. In fact, I'll tell you a short little anecdote. Sunday night heat, Kai and Ty being chased by the APA. Tommy right. on the thread for it throughout the show. <laughs> little little funny little thread. Ended up in a match at the end. Funny how that always happens. It drew a 4.1 rating. You couldn't combine <laughs> all the shows together these days and get a 4.1. He is Mr. Tommy Blacha. He is a big part of the APA. And Tommy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Well, hey, where can I get one of those t-shirts that says Briscoe or even yours? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry, yeah. they're all they're all sold out. Damn, even for <laughs> guests? Wow. Well, yeah. we're, gonna, oh, well. we're gonna try to get you one. We had we had a huge inventory of two, and Mr. Briscoe <laughs> bought one and I bought the other. Uh, so you're technically sold out. We're inventory, sold inventory out. two. We made two different kinds in case we got a rush on, on bell orders. Right, right. Day. But we sold out before we left that rush. So. <laughs> yep. Well, our, 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 our people said there's a whole list of, of people requesting these shirts though. We haven't seen the list, but there's a whole list. So let me get this straight. You got people, but you don't got shirts, right? You got we <laughs> you got to have people, Tommy. You got to have people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How, do you, people. how do you think we got you? We had to get our people contacted your people. Yeah. Finally, our people, your people agreed on a date. There we are, man. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So well, as long as you try to get me one, that's all I can ask. You're hard right. to get hold of, Tommy. It's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you had all these gatekeepers that we had to go through. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. From Detroit to Chicago to LA, down to where are you at now, Tommy? Where were you like? Lago at? Vista, Texas. Lago Vista. Wow, that sounds like a tourist place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh but but getting back to that uh that Sunday night heat, man, the, the people I always like when people ask about like how it was back then, you know how we'd have like, you know, so uh you have Monday night raw. And then, but on Sunday, uh, it, it, Sunday Night Heat was usually filmed on Tuesday, which was SmackDown. So it got confusing. So Monday Night yeah. Raw, then we go to another city on Tuesday and the first shows were Sunday Night uh, in Heat. So you had to kind of like, okay, we can't like mix and match. So those were the preliminary ones. And then Tuesday was SmackDown. So you go in the production meeting and you'd lay out SmackDown and then literally wh who wasn't, who was left and it sounds like it's like leftovers, but it wasn't because the whole team, everything was so hot then. And so I would look over to Michael Hayes and we would, we would write Sunday night heat. So, and it was a yellow pad sometimes in five minutes, like frantically, because he'd be like, okay, because he's in charge of Sunday heat. We'd be like, okay, what do we got? You know? So, you know, we oh, this, that, and the other thing. So this one, it was like the APA was like, oh, we can have them for Sunday night heat. And I can't even remember how, just things were so fast. We just came up with something like, oh, okay. Funaki, how about, uh, oh, but Branch, that spills coffee. That's a coffee thing. And then, like, yeah, they chase them throughout the whole night. And we'll have other matches, and then it'll culminate. You know, we kind of, oh, that'll be fun. And then we just flew by the seat of our pants and went and, like, okay, segment one, uh, uh, you know, you spill coffee, or he spills coffee on you. And then it was just so great. Even guys that didn't even speak English that good could be like, okay, he's after you. Got it. Everything just clicked, and it was, like, so funny. It's like, oh, he spilled coffee. Then we got into this thing in Hollywood. We call it a set piece. But, like, so Ron was so great where he just started naturally teasing you and be like, yeah. you're going to let that guy get away with it, you know? 
this classic like buddy thing. But the, the best dynamic I always remember that came out of it was the more Ron would tease, you guys were best friends, but you never said it, you know, it was a great, it was like a black guy and a white guy, but we never said like, you know, it wasn't all like sentimental, like we're best friends and all this. It, nothing was said, you know, cause you were, you were just badasses. But then, so Ron would tease you and you'd never get pissed at Ron. You'd get more pissed at Funaki. Yeah, that's you'd right. Fucking beat. So hey, do, you, do, you blame, do you blame me? Do you blame me for not getting pissed at Ron? No. Yeah, that's of actually course. a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Do I want to fight Ron just, or do I want to fight Funaki? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that that dynamic, I remember, like, God damn, that's so funny. You got two guys there, and him. And the more he teases you, you're like, that little motherfucker. I'm gonna <laughs> get him. And then. We just started riffing, and then, you know, it was so comfortable. And then Ron started doing shit like, hey, Ron, look in a drawer. And then you'd be like, come on, he's not that small. Baby, he's in here. And then it just, it was so funny. And then you just kept building, like, your anger, which was so great. And Ron just kept teasing you, and then you're building your anger towards for not, And you just knew, like, oh, it's going to be brutal. And they're and they're little, and they were running around backstage. And we just, like, I just remember, like, and now let's go over here. Because you'd, you'd have to film all the segments together, and then, you know, it could edit it because the show didn't go on till next Sunday. And we we're just like, okay, let's go down this hallway. Okay, let's do this. And we had no time. And that whole thing took like like 20 minutes or half That's hour. right, it did. The, the whole group. show. The whole show. The whole show. Yeah. And then we were like, fuck, got to go. And then you can't even, then you're off on SmackDown and doing all this shit. And at the end of the night, you're like, oh, yeah, Sunday Night Heat should be pretty good. And then it was kind of obvious how it was edited. And then we went and looked at it. It's like, oh, fuck, that was great. <laughs> you know, so there were just... You know, it was just no time to even think back then, which made it so much like better. And it was you know, unbelievable how I'm... much TV we did in such a short amount of time, and so much basically live to tape. It was unbelievable, yeah, li live to tape, which which is just the greatest. And then after that, I go, you know, come out to Hollywood and like, fuck, you work on a sitcom. And there's so much money, and hold on a second, let's get this right. Hold on, you're just like, oh my god, the slower it is, which I just pine for the days of like. I would tell people there, like, do you know, realize Monday Night Raw would be when it was over, it was over, it was already out. It was like, you know, sports, like that was it. You know, no editing, no overthinking, and you know, yeah. Ron, 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 Ron at one point had me. He goes, uh, "You didn't end up on the ground, did you?" Because I slipped when I went to chase him. You know, it's part of it's part of the skit. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, I go, right. "No." And he goes, well, "How'd you get your pants wet?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and again, I, I get mad at the Tanaki. Go chase him. Tom, Tommy, you mentioned oh. something. You know, where where we do we do like about Monday Night Raw in an afternoon, basically. Then you go to Hollywood, one segment in Hollywood. How long would it take you to produce a segment that you guys did in like like a John John and Tanaki segment? You know, you guys did that in an afternoon. How many days would it take you to produce that holiday? Well, God, that's a that's difficult to question. So, you know, when you're working on a sitcom, you know, you got to like get a bunch of writers and write the goddamn script so long and, you know, overthink it. And then you have table reads, right? So then, and then everyone's paranoid because the, the network executives come in and then you have a joke. You might have a joke that's like, this is how it happens all the time. That's a funny joke. Okay, let's have it at the table. That's a funny joke. Everyone's heard it 20 times. And then all oh, the executives come in. Then the night of shooting, because everyone just is so risk averse and paranoid and they can't own their own shit. So then they get like, I don't know if that joke's is funny. So they have to scramble and replace the good joke that has, because people have heard it 30 times. 
And maybe they've laughed the first 10 times. You can't laugh at a joke 30 fucking times in a row. And then at the end, they replace it with something inferior. So, you know what I mean? It's it's like once production starts on TV, it goes fast, you know, for because you know, that's when you're, okay, you're spending money. But the whole lead up is just ridiculous. You know what I mean? When I, when I tell these people like, yeah, we used to write Sunday night. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck. And it, well, and it we got? did a 4.0 rating. I mean, this this is a huge show. Yeah. Huge show. And, you know, and part of that, like, that's the part of, of uh, wrestling. I, I think now there's so many writers, whatever, but I'd tell people, like, you know, it wasn't like, did you write that? You know, yeah, you write it, but I'm plugging in to you two guys that work so good together and you two guys that had this rapport and like I said, shit like Ron, like you didn't fall down. Like, I, was that written? No. You know what I mean? It may have been like, hey, that's funny. Okay. It's just this, you just plug it in and it goes because it's like, oh, those two will be great. You know what I mean? And they're just like, and you guys got more comfortable and more funny as, as it went. So, you know, the APA was always one of my uh, absolute favorite things. In fact, I was smart to not <laughs> to realize like, oh, I hitched my wagon to those guys instead of, you know, that uh, someone else that, that people didn't, like, you know, respect <laughs> or were intimidated by. But, uh, you know, I, I just remember when I first started there when uh, uh, Russo left and then was just talking to Vince and like, God, did you hear Ron Simmons' voice? Why isn't he talking all the time? You know, damn. You know, and he's like, yeah, and those two, like, that's, and that, that just kind of clicked. And then, you know, and also I always said, like, in my mind it was funny because, uh, you know, philosophically, I always felt like if you're not going for a championship, you know, even as like a little kid, like, you know, you either like have the belt or you should be going for it or you should be involved in a feud. Otherwise, you're or it's Gaga. You know what I mean? Or else that's why people like like kind of seem lost. But I always thought like, how about guys that are they don't give a shit about the titles or anything. They're such badasses, but they will involve themselves in everything for money. I always thought that in the back of my head, like, that'd be funny, you know, because you kind of flirted around and then it just came to, like, it, it needed you guys that were so intimidating and it just worked where it's like, you could have, like, that that weight of, like, oh, they're not going for the championship. They don't even give a shit. But the champion, there's kind of, I'm kind of glad they're not because they're, I don't want them up my ass, you know what I mean? So, especially when you had those three-hour shows, you always wanted to have yeah. everything yeah. have some weight you know, and it, or, or it has to be Gaga or you're pissed off or, you know, because if you're in fourth in line for that title and you're just doing matches like, oh, shit, I lost. And now I'm going down like, you know, so that, that it was, was such what a was... crazy spot to be in because literally me and Ron didn't hardly ever wrestle. It's, it's just, just, <laughs> it just awesome. I'll be back there. Right, right. What, what are we doing? And I said, uh, well, they got the table up. And he goes, who are we with? I said, Tommy. He goes, oh, good. And he just relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Tom, oh, Tommy, remember, Tommy, Tommy, come. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Here, I'm gonna get it. No, I just remember going and destroying uh, Tim White's uh, arrest oh, yeah. his, his bar twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he would be like, "This is great because I'll get insurance money." I'm like, "Okay, whatever." And then uh, I remember even at the end of one of the segments, there was just a a, a, a neon uh, clock that said Boston Red Sox. And I think I suggested to you, like, "Hey, like." And why don't you smash that? It was all over, and you smashed it. And you said, like, curse of the Bambino. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, things were so great. It was just like, yeah, money's no object. You destroy so, everything. So, so, okay. so, so Timmy was getting insurance money and WWE money off of that bar, off those bar fights. Yeah, I'll say it now that he's, you know, past <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we got a story. John told a story about we tried to get Timmy White for this podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. So he tried to get Timmy White on the podcast. He was going down somewhere in Texas to see Steve Stone Cold, and he pulled off mm-hmm. on the side of the road, and he and he, he couldn't make it work, and he got so mad at me and Jerry, he told us to fuck off. And he hung up <laughs> on us and didn't call back. And died, <laughs> and then died. <laughs> wow. We're not laughing at Timmy died on No, no, no. We love to... Timmy. <laughs> yeah. I saw him like wow. I saw him like right before he passed away. You know, he passed away unexpectedly, so it wasn't sick or anything. Just right. kind of whatever hard, whatever it was, it was unexpected. Yeah, yeah. And sudden, and uh, he goes, I- "I'm sorry, I-, I lost my temper a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. You think you're mad at well, us because yeah. you don't know how to use an iPhone?" <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a technology shift, you know, yeah. I guess of the, the ages and like, God damn it, this new world. Fuck you. <laughs> hey, speaking of technology shift, he, he replaced nanotube televisions with flat screen digital ones at his bar. He had like those <laughs> old TV sets up there. And all this stuff. Oh, man. The oh, Boston Red Sox was the one. He told me years later, he goes, you know, that really that that really upset a lot of people. You know, because that was, that was, <laughs> that was yeah. so good. Yeah, and he told me, goes, was. And, won't you break that on the way out? And I, and I just saved it, saved it, saved it. Right when the scene was <laughs> over, I grabbed a shot glass or something, threw it right through the, right through the. I, I, it could have been. I thought it was a chair, but I. I it could have been. It could have been a chair. Could have been chair. I know. I don't remember. Well, I just remember that. Yeah, that timing in the in the sitcom business, you call that a button. But it was just like, <laughs> what did you do that for? Curses the bambino, and then just like you know, and just destroying some local workers, just like oh. It's brutal. I remember being back by the grill, just like, and hearing that, I was just like, oh, that's just, horrible. <laughs> it's great when remember- you actually get to eat with the people that are just watching a TV show. Yeah. They're like, yeah. they, they see all the cameras. They see everybody like, that, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those guys would be nervous too before. <laughs> be like, And you just quickly meet them. Like, hey, how are you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you're the, you know, you're in the bar and you, you crack off and, and they beat the shit out of you. that's that and they'd be like pacing around and boy god i remember another thing at timmy's bar one time and he goes you know i don't think i can go through a a table or something and ron goes okay throw him through the jukebox and just walked off (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) okay and i did i threw him through the jukebox Uh, oh yeah god i remember that yeah which was and it was like and it just looked like a hollywood gimmick because i think the thing went bang and came up and i was just like Oh my God! There, you probably in Hollywood you would have had four jukeboxes with a spring in there to go bang, you know, and then like do it again, do it again, and this was just natural, and it'd be like, oh, that was incredible. <laughs> I know. How much more is a jukebox in a table? Goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, how That's great right. was he- Michael Hayes to work with? I mean, you, you two guys, you are two of the most creative guys I've ever been around. That had to be fun working with Michael Hayes to to write a show in twenty minutes. All the time. He was, he was the best. In fact, that was, that was one of my, you know, when, you know, even when I worked at Conan or whatever, you kind of like know celebrities and you, you meet them, you kind of, I, I always think like, you don't really know people. So I, I kind of put like, I know the image of you and then there's you. So I kind of like, you know, separate them, especially when you're working with someone. But Michael Hayes was one just, know, you know, cause I, I would see him on wrestling all the time growing up and be like, you know, just like, he, he was such a character. So then like meeting him was kind of like, wow, this is crazy, but I had to like put that on hold to, to work. But occasionally I'd just be like, oh, fuck, that's Michael Hayes, you know? <laughs> you know, and just like, and just like, oh man, he was, he was something else, you know? It just was like- uh, That's a good way to put it, something else. Yeah, something else is something else is kind. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I always- like, certifiable crazy. 
<laughs> but, oh yeah and then then just the stories you know of like uh sometimes it'd be like even though we'd have like i said 20 minutes 10 minutes to write a sunday night heat fuck sometimes i'd have to have a 10 minute story like well i remember you know like just like me and gordy and roberts and i'm just like oh, what yeah. and you're like oh we you know we'd just drive so drunk we'd pull off in a cornfield and throw up on the dash and then I'd wake up because the flies were buzzy and eating the sun-baked puke on the dash and then we'd drive out of the cornfield and we'd get to the sportatorium just in time and I'd maybe just be like what the fuck did you do? and I'd have to just like soak that in for a minute and like okay let's get to work and it'd be like well, that's true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> then, then, then you go home. Then you go home at night and you tell one of your friends what you just heard. Ain't no way that'd be true, right? <laughs> oh man, man! I remember no one could tell a joke like him when he got drunk a couple times. He'd a tell these times. fucking jokes, <laughs> and he would he would put in these details that were just not necessary, like just like you know. That was like, so the band came home and he was sitting in his chair and he was having, you know, it's like none of that. <laughs> get, to, like, get to the joke. And, but you just enjoy it. And I, I just remember, I think it was Brian Gewirtz's birthday party. It was in New York somewhere. And it was like, and, and uh, he was like, uh, Michael Hayes was holding court with these, like, all these, like, for some reason, there was like these models and hit people there. And he was like, I mean, he's telling that joke. <laughs> <laughs> that long joke and they were like just kind of cornered and then michael bay's wife said like michael i got someone over here you need to deal with it was rude to him and he's like all right hold on <laughs> he was like, well his wife was waiting to like uh him to come over and beat someone's ass that was rude to him he, i gotta finish this joke and i'm over in the other part just like enjoying like oh this is incredible this is just incredible <laughs> Oh, he's incredible. Oh, yeah. He gets yeah. wound up. He told us a story one time. He told us, he goes, hey, I was I was down in Lake Charles. He said, I, and I'd done a few drugs. And I was moonwalking. Into the bar. <laughs> he said, I moonwalked into a fan. And the fan almost knocked me out. And he said, then the next thing I know, I'm in bed with Jimmy Garvin naked. <laughs> what's, what's, what's Rome service? What's Rome service? Yeah, yeah I'm going, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Could you expand on that just a little bit? I'm not sure what you just said. <laughs> Oh yeah, he. I remember one time, just having, you know, that's what always like was like him, Lonzo, whatever. It's like, you know, I'd have to wake up and face Vince, but it's like, God, I had to go out and have drinks with these guys. I just fucking can't not, and it would just be like brutal, like sometimes because it'd be like, oh shit, you know, and then like seven a.m. Vince, how are you? And like, <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember being in his hotel room somewhere, and he's just starting to take his clothes off. <laughs> it's like, and then I'm saying, "Okay, I gotta go." Hey, 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 hold on! And then I'm like, "Oh, he's just fucking with me." And then he's like, getting down to his underwear, sitting on the bed, and I'm just like, you know, and he's like, "Why well, you got your back up by the door?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" Well, of course, I'm not gonna fucking, <laughs> I'm not gonna have you drunk in your underwear between me and the door. You know, I'm not. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. But uh, yeah, it, it, incredible. But uh, you know, yeah, just that. That also just that. It's like Vince had that energy to be like, at any given moment, like let's talk this thing out. What's going to happen with these guys? That was just always, you know, he had that too. So you understood, like, oh yeah, that's that's who sticks around Vince. Because when you could be like three a.m., hey, I want to talk about this. Oh sure. Well, this could happen or that could happen or, you know, just constant ideas michael's, like michael's one of those few guys in the world that you give an idea and, and for before you left he's created a six-month angle and two pay-per-views out of it and you're like yeah I, that's yeah. pretty good <laughs> I don't know it's amazing that. and 
and got the, the savvy, which is something I learned in, you know, in, in when I was in the army. It's like sometimes you're like, oh, it's never right. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just yeah. redo it. Where I could be like, and Vince said, like, no. And like, okay, well, that's done. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just worked really hard on this. Like, no, okay, fuck it. It's dead. You know, next thing, like, you know, I don't Vince, take it. Vince, Vince used to say all the time, it's live TV, nothing can go wrong. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. but, but everything can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And then before you, sometimes before it's Vince, you, before you sure. got to that crazy world of professional wrestling, you were out, tell us a little bit about your progression. You came out of where, Detroit, and and I, I read, I was looking at it at some research. You said you already knew the language of the business and, and stuff when you're from when you're young, knowing people. Who did you know well, that was in the business? Well, my my brother, who's ten years older than me, and he uh, was a like he was a star athlete. fact, he was you know like. He graduated high school in 1969. He was like uh, 6'4", 190, used to run hurdles. And, you know, and he, and he, he knew some guys in, uh, uh, in, in Detroit. There was uh, uh, the Fabulous Kangaroos. Right. Uh, Al yeah. Costello. Al Costello, he, yeah. He used to run a thing. And then uh, there was some guys in the, that he knew in the neighborhood, like uh, or uh, the Mongols. There's one guy. Yeah, in, Mongols, and, yeah. uh, uh, George Crybaby Cannon wow. was a promoter. But anyway, some... So my brother was kind of like dabbling in it, and then and then my brother used to sell uh, drugs. Let's put it that way, <laughs> and that, that that was more his foray into a lot of guys in rock and roll and that. Because and like I said, he he blew out his tendon. And he knew, and the guys, you know, wised him up like, oh, you don't want to mess around with this, and, you know, and and be a, you know, because it can be rough. So when I was little, so he's ten years older than me. So I was kind of enamored with it, as was my grandfather. And so we'd go see it. And so he would kind of tell me stuff. And then, we'd, you know, uh, meet a few guys that went down and trained at that Dearborn gym. So I, I knew, like, some of the language, especially more than most people. In fact, this is, I'll always remember this story, because they had local wrestling at uh, our high school. And I was about 13. So my brother would have been 23. And, and uh, he was there. And he, he, he got me in, like, backstage to meet, like, the mighty Igor. He was a big Detroit guy. And uh, uh, so we were, like, watching the matches. And then... I'm kind of like, I don't know if I said something or something, but they're kind of like, oh, little fucking kid thinks he's wise enough or whatever, right? So there was two, uh, they were doing the German tag team gimmick, you know, they, uh, and two bald guys and big fuckers. And, you know, there was like a squash match. And I was in the front row with my friends and they fucking brought this guy over right to the, and they had the, the classic rail right there. And in fact, um, they started chopping the shit and beating the shit out of this guy, like right and right in our laps. And the guy was crawling up my leg, like literally, and going like this, and just welted. Just, and I'm like, so I'm in like sixth grade, thinking like, you know, let's face it, even when you're young and you see a, yeah, I'm wrestling on TV and the guy throws a punch and he stomps his foot, you know, like, well, that's not an effective way to throw a punch. So you know, even though they say the the, the business is believable, you kind of know like. Okay, some of these things don't even as a little kid. You're like that doesn't add up. You know, you kind of know. And uh, Bulldog Don Kent, like, okay, a, a grown man hears people bark and he can't stand. You know, there's certain things like, okay, something's not kosher here. But they beat the shit out of this guy and he flailed all over us. And I and you know, and then later I I realized when I was older, like, oh, they did that for, uh, you know, for me, you know, to be like, okay, let's fucking show that. And this guy, his like blood vessels were broken in his chest, and 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 I was like, so I was walking home with my friends going, and it blew my mind because I'm like, it's real, it's totally real. 
I, you know, all that shit when I was a kid, because, you know, my uncles and stuff would make fun of my grandfather, the old Polak, and he would like, you know, he would just look at the TV and like, in real, you know, and, and uh, my dad used to tell me about going in the 20s to see like, you know, the, uh, the, the original Zbysko in, in, in uh, Detroit, you know, all the, the Polish people and stuff. And, and so like, but people in the family, oh, grandpa, grandpa really buys that stuff. And I'm walking home just like my mind's blown. Like somehow I'm thinking like, it's real. It's fucking real. And then I'd watch it and be like, and then my brother kind of said like, oh, okay. Then I kind of realized like, oh, what a work is and why you don't say fake and how tough the business is and all, all that. So I knew that a little more. And then, so when I finally met Vince, so this is even, you know, 1999 and people forget like now it's kind of sad in a way, like there's smart marks everywhere and everyone uses the business. But so then just, I was producing the segment Vince was on, on the Conan show. And I'd say like, you know, I just try to tease him, but I'd say like, oh, that gold dust gimmick, that time-honored homophobe gimmick worked for Gorgeous George and biggest star in the world. I just, you know, I just showed off a little, but it worked <laughs> great. And, <laughs> then, and then he like recruited. I didn't like want a job or know anything like that. He called and I was leaving Conan and he called me up and was like, Vince McMahon on the phone. I'm like, holy shit, wow. <laughs> come on down to the office. And, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, he's like, why don't you come down and consult on a couple shows? I went to his office in Connecticut and I said, I really boobed my way into it. Because I said, frankly, Vince, I, I'm, I'm, I plan to move to California, but I had to come down to see your office and I'd, I'd love to go to a couple shows and consult, but, you know, it, you know, it's not in it for me, which kind of made him want me more, I guess, to be like, oh, he's saying no. But, I, you know, I didn't fucking, you know, realize that or I didn't manipulate that situation. So I went to a couple and it was so amazing because back then they cut the, the airline ticket right in the office like with a printer you know it was pre 9 11 i was like oh this is the, and the two fucking thousand dollar checks for two shows and and i was like i left i was like this is the greatest thing in the world this, this is the greatest <laughs> meeting i've ever had you know it was like so i, I went to a couple shows and and then he's like why don't you come back next week because we were in in nassau in in, in new york and i met vince russo and i was kind of like it just like helped produce a couple segments, but kind of just hung around and like, okay, well, you know what? Uh, next week, I'm, you know, I don't think I'm going to go anymore. That's, that's kind of like, I don't want to, you know, get paid for something I'm not going to do. And Vince Russo told me, he goes, just go to TV and Madison. Just go next week. It'll be like, you know, just one more time. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I went the next week, Madison Square Garden, Vince and Shane, he's like, okay, we need to talk to you. And then he's like, they fucking Vince Russo jumped ship. It was like that day. And I was like, oh, holy shit. Cause I told my girlfriend at the time, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to go see everything and then come back and probably tell them, you know, it was, it was you know, fun or whatever. And he's like, yeah, we got to like, we got to redo the show. There's no show. And so we're just like flying by the seat of our pants. And I'm like, all they like, oh, well, I'm going to these two shows. Suddenly I just was started working like that. And then even that day, Vince, who's so like smart, it was so weird. He's like, sit up at the production table and like, here, run through the matches. And no, no one knew who I was. Like, people don't even go in Vince's dressing room, you know, and like, who's this guy? And I'm like, well, the next match will be this. And I was like, oh, this is fucking crazy. And then the next day we went to Nassau and that was the real unfortunate when Draws got paralyzed and I was wow. like down there like for that. And I remember like, you know, everything. And, and then I was like driving back to Manhattan where I lived and I got lost and I was like in Staten Island and I came I came home about four in the morning and I told my girlfriend I'm like I think I'm just uh 
I think I'm working for pro wrestling, you know? And I, <laughs> I stopped my, I was moving to California and I just stopped that. And I was like, well, I, I can't, I can't be old and never to do this, you know, and just try to do this. And I did it. And I worked there for five months with a, without even a deal, wow. you know, cause I had, I just said like, Okay, it was so hectic, you know, because there was no, and it was time, like yellow time, time, right time, and time went by like that. <laughs> I didn't even know what was going on. And I'm like, and then I was, I'm, I was honestly, because I had, you know, money for a cone and everything. And I, I was like, okay, yeah, we'll work it out later, handshake. And then I'm about four, four, four or five months in, and I'm like, I don't have any, I don't even know what my deal is. <laughs> like, you know, and then I'm kind of like, someone said, like, we are working for wrestling promoters. I'm like, yeah, that that is a fucking stupid move. What am I doing? You know? And then I remember talking to Shane and this is where I really boobed it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I got to get some kind of deal, you know, going and get some back pay, you know? And, and he's like, all right. And he gives a piece of paper, just like in the movies, like write down a number. I'm like, huh? Okay. Made this much. I kind of put, <laughs> That's I wrote down a number, a nice number. And I gave it to him and he's like, all right. And I'm like, Oh, fuck. Give it back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah let me do that again. God damn it. Yeah, I didn't know what I could have wrote down, but uh, yeah. So it was were, a blast. You, were you getting paid was... during that five months? No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your grand, you your grand a week, or your grand a show wasn't coming through, or what? No, because we said like, okay, we'll work it out, and it just—I okay. was that hectic, <laughs> and it was that hectic, and then, and then I started to be like, am I getting worked? And I'm like, well, hey, but yeah. I don't think so. It's a legitimate thing, and there's one, and then like, what? You know? And then I'm like. Yeah, there's Hebner with that weird suitcase full of money. What, yeah. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, you know, you know, like, and it was weird to be in that at that high level behind the scenes, and then at the same time, people would ask me stuff like, "I don't know what the fuck how fucking shit works." <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know more than most, but some shit I don't know. And then like, what do you get? Pay, what do they get paid for? Pay? I don't know. <laughs> fuck, I'm not getting paid, you know. But then I did, I did, and it was like, yeah, it was funny. Well, that was a crazy time. Yeah. You know, Russo just, I guess he just, from the week before, he, did you think he knew the week before when he said, come to TV next week? Absolutely. Because oh, he, he really just, oh, yeah, because I was, like, meeting with him, and I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, uh, this is cool. And I was telling him everything, like, yeah, I came down, and, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, there weren't writers, stuff like that. Maybe I could contribute stuff. I don't know. But my whole plan was to move to California. And, this, and I told him the whole thing, like, and then Vince came, and I had to do it. And I, I had to come out to the shows. Like, I, you know, I had to see it. And so I was, you know, pretty loosey-goosey about, like, yeah, so that's cool. But, you know, good luck. It was nice meeting everyone. And, and he said, just go to TV in New York. Just go to TV in New York. Just, just do it one more. Just do it. He just kept, he kind of like, oh, okay, you know, and then. You know, boom. And I was like, wow, that was crazy. And then uh, Brian came on in another few weeks or uh, like a month or something after. And then and then uh, the rest was history, you know, so. So you think Russo knew that he wasn't going to be there the next week? He'd, he'd already had it planned? I, I believe so. Yeah. I, I don't know why he would have consistently said go to TV right. next week. I think he would have, okay, fine. Nice to meet you. That was great. I don't, I just don't. I don't know why. And it, and it really was like kind of a three, four time back and forth. Just, I, always just go, just Vince, go. I always thought that Vince kind of liked things like that, you know, but like sure. to end up, you know, in a car wreck because now he gets to fix sure. it. Now the creative yeah. Vince comes out. Was that, that what you thought too? Oh yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. He, he, you know what I, he, in fact, I remember things like one time he goes and it was, it's so Vince and it's almost contrived. 
Like, so we were writing a show. And in fact, sometimes it'd be like, let me reject stuff. But that time, and he's like, we got to write this show. And I remember, you know, saying, oh, let, you know, Draws and, you know, and Albert, fine. let's do a thing where Draws pukes in his bag and, and Delo's bag. So I remember setting up that match and, and Vince, everything, that's great. That's great. You know, and obviously if I had been there five more months, it would have been a regular day. Like, oh, I don't know about that. But, but since he knew at that moment, like, okay, we're kind of fucked. Everything was like, you know, he was, you know, building my confidence up like that's great everything was great we laid you know that was the easiest show i ever wrote because <laughs> you know because it needed to happen but then there was a moment after where he's like well yeah that russo's gone and he goes i sure you know it's like he's just the way he looked at me he goes we need you man like he's just, like, <laughs> just this look and then i'm like yeah I, I gotta stay here i gotta do this and like i said it wasn't until the next day i'm driving hey i guess i'm here like Oh, he just like seduced me, and I didn't even realize it. You know, like <laughs> Vince, Vince, you know. Vince has Vince has that quality when he's trying to get you to do stuff. Like unlike any person I've ever done business right. with, hundred percent. When you when you oh, leave yeah. there, I mean, when you walk in, you got your mind made up. You're not going to do something. By the time yep. you walk out of there, you're thinking, "What a dumb sob I am for for even doubting." Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what they say. Uh, Vince and uh, Ronald Reagan had that quality. Where yeah. people come out of the office and like smiling, like, hey, see you. And like, I didn't get a fucking thing I wanted. What the fuck? What hey, happened? Sean <laughs> Michaels told me one time that he went into Vince to quit. And Vince goes, okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> I just quit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Bruce, Greg did the same thing. Said, Bruce went in to quit one time and Vince goes, oh, come with me. And he took him to go get a haircut. Bruce, Vince got the haircut. Bruce didn't. <laughs> got to see Joseph down in St. Regis. Got his hair cut. Bruce yeah. waited on him. He goes, Vince, I've quit. <laughs> yep. Greg Valentine said he was pissed about something and went in, and Vince probably knew, like, oh, did you see that? I got the we got the residuals for the action figures. Look at it. Oh, here, here's a nice check. Oh, and we're doing this and this. And, and just by that time, he's like, what is he going to do? Like, yeah, I'm fucking unhappy. And he had this, <laughs> like, that timing. And what did you want to say? Oh, nothing you know it. <laughs> it's almost as if it's a challenge to vince the the more person is upset about something the more he enjoys being the the peaceful mediator he can get people to do whatever they want I mean, he's he's of the course. guy that loves being in the middle of a storm because he knows he can yeah. call yeah and you know too like whenever like no matter what's happening no, <laughs> there's always time for a rib or something you know what 100%. i mean like, <laughs> stuff is real i remember once he's like Oh, uh, he was acting all pissed off about something, and he goes, uh, "Just uh, oh, tell uh." He, he came, first he was happy. He came out of the. He had one of his offices on the road somewhere, and there was a bathroom in the office. And then Pat came in, and then suddenly he just turned and he was like, "God damn it, Pat! This fucking thing, this didn't fucking work right." And you know, we need. And I was like, "What is he talking about? What, he didn't mention any of this. Why is he so pissed off?" And he's fucking laying into all of us laying into pat and he's like oh god damn it where's my briefcase and he was sitting there and he kind of positioned himself and said pat don't go in the bathroom i left my briefcase in the bathroom and then pat goes in vince starts laughing and pat goes oh you motherfucker for years we tried to trick each other into seeing each other's fucking shit in the toilet <laughs> and he's, ha, ha. <laughs> so he knew he couldn't just tell him to go into the toilet he knew he had to like right be mad but meanwhile shit's going on and this whole thing took 15 minutes 
So he's like, you know, we ain't got time to do this. Oh, we're always 15 minutes time to have Pat Patterson look at my shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so shit like that just made me like fucking love him just like crazy. Like so funny. Uh, I don't know if you were there when uh, Jonathan Coachman raced Tony Chimmel in Penn State. No, no. So, oh, it's our no. first day I, on a new network. First day, like on Spike or something like that. And Chimmel has and Coach have tra- challenged each other to this mile ramp run. This is a very important debut day. They let the entire company out to go watch this race between Chimmel and yeah. Coach. They had commentators, no, I re- they filmed it, they had everything. I think I remember that because I was pissed because I think we went with Jericho to sneak into Beaver Stadium for a promo. <laughs> Uh, Isn't it uh, amazing how much that we didn't get permits for anything back then? Yeah, we just did. We just did them. Worried about the permits later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I remember once, and I was, I think, well, hell, I'll say it. What's going to happen? Nothing. (laughs) He's he's like something like, you know, you know, he's like, there's an early cell phone shit, and be like, uh, and I was always like the point man, like, well, maybe, especially it was getting crazy, like. Well, how about like the you know the ambulance is on fire? Like, yeah, the ambulance is on fire. But you know, it's this is like you know, eight thirty a.m. Got to get an ambulance. You know, got to burn it. Oh, you know, something crazy like that. So like, oh Jesus Christ! And then, so some Vince doesn't want to sit here. No, you know. So it's like, oh, like I'm coming back. Like, no, you don't understand. Gas has to go down in the sewer. They have to get a tank that's and it doesn't like the the fire marshal like, even to get them there and all this and like. It's it's not going to happen. Like oh fuck, okay, it's got to you know fire marshal, and then it's like said like where are we? And so I'm like Hartford, and he's like, don't worry about the fire marshal. <laughs> like because like, <laughs> we were in Hartford, and we're like okay, and then suddenly later, <laughs> it's all fine. <laughs> you tell me. Oh, I yeah. also love that that WWE is always willing to do anything for a rib on the show. It yeah. might ruin the, it yeah. might ruin the TV, but let's put let, let's put Harvey out there against uh, <laughs> Finkel in a tuxedo match. It's gonna be terrible. It's gonna yeah. be terrible. Yeah. It will watch yeah. be awful. Doesn't matter. Then, yeah, then when it's awful, they're excited. Go like, ah, oh, that was great. That was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Company morale. Yeah. In fact, when we did the, the famous well, the hand segment is something I'll still to this day the the, the May Young hand thing. So. That was always crazy because I was like, uh, you know, okay, how about we hook up May Young with uh, Mark Henry? You're like, oh, that's twisted. Love it. They have a love affair. That shit's going great. And then I remember one time just going like, well, how about she gets pregnant? Oh. And with Vince, you never knew because he always had those glasses. So there was always this moment where he'd like he'd take his glasses off and look at you. And if you froze time, you didn't know what was coming. You didn't know if it was like, get get serious or that's fantastic. <laughs> you yeah. just never knew. There's that pause <laughs> like, where he's thinking, and, and it's it's yep. it's very unnerving. It's very unnerving. It's the glasses off, and he's like, "Now that's what we got to be doing." Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> so we did that, but then for for some reason, I don't know why, but it was like I thought, like, well, well, we had the the Dudley boys throw her through a chair, and I'm like, well, she's got to have a miscarriage, right? She's got to be thrown through a table and have a miscarriage. That'll get heat. Mark will be, you know, I thought that that's the way to go. And he's like, no. And I was kind of like, well, that's a natural ending to this. It's, yeah. you know, come on, you know. And he's like, I don't know what he's got in mind. He's like, no. And then it was almost like a punishment. She goes, 
she's going to have an obstruction and you're going <laughs> to deliver it. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, that's it. And then he's like, you know, you're going to get in the doctor gimmick. And I, and I was like, maybe I should be a paramedic. That's a little more believable. I don't know. Okay. And then what kind of obstruction? And then he came back from the magic man with that rubber hand and he's like, I got it. He's all happy. And it's like, <laughs> and that time you just you know people are like, you know, hey, I think the miscarriage is a little better. Is this a really, it's like, it's a train fucking, you know, don't get on the track. It's a train. He's running with that fucking hand. It's, you know, fuck it. It's going to happen. So then we did it. And then he said, you know, Gerald, he's uh He's notoriously like, you know, well, he'll gag. You have a gag reflex. It's real bad. So he's like, I want you to get in there with that goop and then get Briscoe in there too. And then that's all he cared about. Then get that goop up in Briscoe's face so he can, and I'm like, people, you know, people are like, you know, Briscoe. That's how that happened. I always blame it on you. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to do it myself, but you know, they're like, you know, you know, Briscoe, uh, one full, he's still, you know, top 10 tough as shit. You know, he'll get pissed. And I'm like, well, fuck, what do I, you know, most jobs are like, oh, you're not going to get hurt. And I'm like, oh, I might get hurt. Fuck it. Vince, want, you know what I mean? I got to make Vince happy, even if I make Jerry piss. So that was it. And he's like, you get that goop, get that goop up in his face. There, look at that. And, I, and you really think at that moment, like, oh, I didn't give a shit about anything but that. Get that goop up in Briscoe's face, which I did. Yeah, and you you gag the little, and, and, and I, I followed through. <laughs> yeah, and then it, How and then did it was you get over. To the hand. I mean, what was was there ever a rationale behind the hand? I'm told you exactly the rationale. Obstruction, like, an obstruction. Man. <laughs> There's going to be an obstruction, and you're going to deliver it, and, and you're going to deliver a and hand. Like, and then I kept saying, like, well, you know, the the miscarriage. I still kept saying, like, that makes sense, but, you know. And then no, it's an obstruction. Like, like what? Like a you know, then you're like a, a turnbuckle, a fucking uh, a mask, a mask, uh, you know, and then he, I'll go over there. And then he went over to the magic man with all the stuff and he found that rubber hand. And then he came running back, waving the hand. At damn Richie paused or he could come up with anything too. Couldn't yeah. He? yeah. <laughs> Richie, for you guys that don't know, Richie was, Richie was our magic man where you needed anything just give him an ideal, and he could come up with the greatest, greatest yeah. gimmicks of all time. And literally, a, Richie it, worked with some of the great magicians of the age. I mean, he worked with Sick yeah. Boy. He worked with uh, all bunch of the guys, the illusionists, the magicians. He was he was legit. He was <laughs> yeah. And he had those big trifold traveling trunks in his little yeah. area. And he'd always go there and like look at all this stuff. In fact, I had this many times with him on the cell phone, like. We need this, and I just heard Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know. And then, but then it would always happen, you know. You know, it's just like, yeah, we need a, we need a bear trap in half hour. You know? like, but he was, he was our yeah. mad scientist. He could come up with anything. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And then he'd always just have other things too. Hey, look, I got balsa wood bats. Oh, they're good, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Just like, yeah. Yeah, in fact, you're just sometimes you go wandering his stuff to just look around. Hey, this is cool, or or, or what, what do you have? Yeah, amazing. He was always pulling me and Ron aside, going, "Hey, I've got this. I've got this. I just found this. Yeah. I just found yeah, this. Yeah. Or not online, but wherever we found it." <laughs> and Rich, no, Richie was... always positioned himself right there where you walk into the arena, so he could grab you right away. You know, he'd come, you walk me walking to want to go to catering. Come here, I got something I want to show you. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah. You spend the entire catering time there looking at Richie's magic show. 
Yeah, and it was, and that would behoove him because if he could lead with his item, that would be better for him than instead of waiting a half hour before the show. We need this. Fuck, <laughs> you know. Right. So yeah, that's well, funny. I always remember while working at Conan O'Brien show, which was five nights a week. It was a, a similar thing. It was live to tape, but there was a similar mentality from our prop guy. You know, which is like. Need something now. Need something now. And then you get into shows. The, the longer time there is, then you always get these assholes that are like, well, I don't know how that can, you know, and be like, fuck you. You have a fucking week, you know. I mean, I'd, I'd come out and be like, I used to work at Conan. I used to work at fucking wrestling and be like, it's going on at 6 p.m. It's a $35 million pay-per-view buy rate. You it better <laughs> the thing needs to explode or whatever you know you know people don't realize because uh, you know after i was got done wrestling i did commentary we would get sheets sometimes in the first hour for the third hour so the show's being written in the first hour because vince would see it he didn't either like it or was, didn't like yeah. it going and, and would rewrite the last part of the show i mean I, I don't think anybody in television ever dealt with anything anything like this no yeah absolutely not and that's why I mean, you, you got know. a three-hour show it's one of the premier shows on a network <laughs> And literally, yeah. literally, you're right in the third hour during the first hour because Vince wanted to redo it because he didn't like some way something worked in the first segment or just because he just thought something different would work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it just, I think it got to me. I, I was so glad my era there was so golden because everything was so hot. I look at it like the, the lineup of a great championship football team. We're just like, holy shit, how many Hall of Famers did you have fucking everywhere to have? the APA on Sunday night heat, you know, cause everything else is stacked, you know, and everyone, you know, no one, it was, it was just great. And also it was at that last era, I think a little bit of, you know, it wasn't writing so much per se, it was bullet pointing and you'd throw lines to guys, you know, instead of like, you know, a little bit after I thought like, Oh, this is too scripted where you see like a, a guy go like, Oh, that, I need to do my line again, as opposed to just like, here's the bullet points, go crazy. Here's a line, you know, or here's the direction, you know, of things where, and even, cause I think I always said like, you, you don't write a catchphrase. You come up with the, a catchphrase is literally by definition, something that catches on the most famous one of all time. Stone Cold Steve Austin with his shirt, with the block print, the easiest shirt to make the most, because it happened in a moment that he said, yeah. it, you know, said, I yeah. said, I whipped your ass. So when you start to try to like, say things like you know it, like i look at kurt angle for instance like we lo loved kurt angle and then sometimes it was great because i'd encourage him to be like oh it's so funny when when people boo you because he was a he was a heel but he tried to come in and say like i'm gonna be your hero pittsburgh because you know everything's so depressed and you're everything's you know people aren't really smart here they need a hero and people would boo him and he'd be like oh no it's true it's true and like keep saying it's true and that became a catchphrase it's true it's true on a shirt you could never pitch that and come in and say, yeah. he says it's true, it's true. Like, look, that doesn't have any weight. It's like, no, it catches on. So, you know, that that kind of like give and take between guys and, and seeing, you know, guys that were like, and, and like I said, the comfort of, especially in that, that one segment of Sunday Night Raw, like, you guys will be great, you know, and just, and you're just there laughing with them. And then you're just, oh, how about that? Or that, you know, and things are, it's it's just so natural. And I think that's like, the thing that I always loved about TV and wrestling all through the seventies and eighties is like, Oh, it's up to you to get that segment over. You know what I mean? You're right. empowered as the performer to get that segment over. And, and I would even think of like, like people that didn't even talk well, were so smart about like, I always think of like 
Austin and, and uh, Bret Hart, when they were going to their, you know, thing where, where uh, Austin passed out with the blood, the, the building up the heat to that. So they had like a thing on where Austin could talk a lot better than Bret Hart. And I always like would like talk about this with Vince or whatever, try to be like, not all wrestlers have to talk good, you know, because Bret Hart, I thought like, he was so over, but in that, that segment, there was a segment where, where they were both on uh, like a satellite and Austin just kept dogging Bret Hart. Yeah, this, that, and the other. And Bret Hart got tongue tied, but instead of like being like trying to match him word for word, he just got like, all right, all right, we'll, we'll fucking see. And you'd see like a bar, you could see a bar fight like that. You see one guy talking and the other guy's yeah. tongue tied. You don't know who's going to win. And you don't know if that right. tongue tied guy is going to be more pissed. And it, and the momentum is still there with the tongue tied guy. So he was smart to be like, I'm not going to try to say colorful fucking isms. I'm just going to be like, well, we'll fucking see. Like, mm, I'm just going to smolder, you know? And sometimes I think that, even with wrestlers, I'd be like that. You, it's, you're in the moment. You're fucking better. And sometimes guys would be like, I gotta, I gotta say my shit. And like, no, don't worry about it. You know, the fact you can be over with less shit you're saying, that'll be better than kind of like the, the Undertaker. For <laughs> Bingo. There, there you go. You know. So it's like you know. I've always yeah, thought that like, we're we're not we're not Al Pacino. We're we're not great actors. And so when right. we when we say the same line five or six times, Pacino gets better because he knows how to enunciate. You know, he's better because he's a trained actor. We get worse. Right. You know, right. for us being in the moment and saying it live, like you're talking about, and getting in the moment and getting a bullet point and making it ours, that's when it always works. That's why I always thought doing a second take was sometimes very counterproductive in wrestling. Because it just takes away the emotion of the moment of spontaneity. Now you're trying to redo that emotion, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And even if you get tongue-tied, it's like tongue-tied's great. Oh, you're fucking yeah. flummoxed. You're pissed off. You're tongue-tied. Yeah. Stan yeah, Hansen is always like, why has it got to be so smooth? And, and he's right. You know, when it's not smooth, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. real life. Yeah. The only thing that was problematic sometimes is when you were selling so many, like, we got to – sell this pay-per-view that leads up to this <laughs> like okay fuck that that has to be mentioned <laughs> right you know but uh but you know that's that has to be done but yeah for, for the most part I, I i agree you know yeah sometimes there is, guys can be their own worst enemy like i've got you know and also like anything act whatever sports too like you got to know what your capabilities are what you're good at and if you're not good at that doesn't mean you're not can't be over how many people are over without you know being, you know, dusty roads and, you know. Yeah, and sometimes when you get, you like, tongue-tied, that's when you come up with something crazy, and that's when the catchphrase happens. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. all of a sudden, people respond to it, and you have no idea what they're going to respond to. You know, it's like trying to do a clip that's going to go viral. You, you can't make a viral clip. It just goes viral. That's the definition. Dude, I had a meeting uh, for this show's pitching, and this was like, they're like, well, we need to make some viral videos. And I was like, how do you do that? And this was <laughs> a few years yeah. ago. And then it was kind of bad, but I didn't like the development thing. I was, I said, you know who, the only one who's making viral videos, you know, this was years ago. I was like, is ISIS. They're the only ones that they're going to cut off a person's head. That's a viral video. And you know what? In fucking two years, they had to even start doing other shit because even that wasn't working. So there's no way to make a viral video unless you fucking do, you know what I mean? It happens or, you know, so it was like, but it was <laughs> these Hollywood people were like, Oh, who the fuck is this guy talking about? I'm not, even I was like, I shouldn't be saying all this shit. I regret it, but fuck it. I'm too far in. <laughs>
How, 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 long, how long did you work by yourself uh, there at WWE before you had help come in? And uh, and you're, you're doing these entire shows basically by yourself. You got Michael A's, you got Bruce, you got other guys that, uh, that contribute, Pat, and, uh, and a group of other guys. How long How long was it in between? And when you were working at Conan and you produced a segment, was you by yourself or did you have a staff of people that helped, work, helped you? Well, you know, it, it was similar because some ideas would be yours and you'd take it all the way at Conan, but also you had a whole staff. So it was really similar to wrestling where there was a camaraderie. So if you had a bit on Conan and you needed an ending, you'd go to the whole group and like people would pitch an ending. Like I used to do this thing called satellite tv which was like oh we have all these crazy satellite channels and you know uh you'd go and film them on your own but you'd open it up to everyone and they would pitch in their ideas so sometimes you're producing shit that you wrote but also you know that's why i even like sometimes don't like talking about wrestling oh did you write that like well yeah you know like even the, the that segment like well i came up with the idea that he bumped into him at coffee and that they should chase him but you know that's just the smallest part of it the reason it worked was because of the players and the situation was organically right for it to happen. So same thing at, at Conan. So sometimes it would be all you, but sometimes, you know, it would be like the same shit, like, Oh, that costume's great. And that that's going to be funny. And Oh, thank you for the ending. Or let me give an ending to you. So it was a group effort. And I, I found the same thing at wrestling where like, yeah, I was writing out the, you know, the bullet points and the segments and coming up with things, but still was like, Vince, Shane, you know, everyone, and also like the production group and then the agents, you know, and then a lot of times you're like, hey, how about this match based on this? And then it goes to an agent and it's four minutes and then there's this great ending and it's an incredible match. And am I going to go out like, yeah, I wrote that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I kind of said, hey, how about these two? <laughs> you know? Okay. You know, so it, it's such a group effort, you know, and I think you know, and it's funny, after I left, there's became such a big writing staff there. And I knew a bunch of people would always talk to me, hey, you work there, how does someone work there? And people were in and out. And it became a little bit of a different animal, I think, of just like, you know, creating material and see how it goes off and be produced. When when I was there, it was like, you're, you're every part of, you know, every bit of it. And, and so, you know, the, the, the rundown sheet is one thing, and sure, there's some clever shit in it and, and some lines and stuff, but, you know, the whole process is everyone, you know, and so to say, you know, I was doing it alone. I, I don't uh, want to say that, you know what uh, I mean? I, just, yeah. I don't even want to say that because, you know, it's, and it's fun, which is, goes against being out here in Hollywood. I, you know, I'll, I'll say it to certain people. You have to do all that shit my alone. alone. <laughs> Are you going to give me a lot of money for something else? Yeah, <laughs> Fuck yeah I did it all myself, <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, for us here, whatever, you know, alone is nothing's alone in that business. Even, yeah. you know, you're only as good as the guy that sells for you too. Right. right. You know, so even that, exactly. so, uh, exactly. you know, but it was a while before yeah. Brian, was Brian Gewertz the first one to come in that was working with you. Yeah. He was, there was another guy. I can't remember. He was there. Like a lot of people were, I'm here. This ain't for me. I'm gone. So Brian, I, I think it was like a couple months or something. Uh, Brian came in. And uh, it was funny because he was the antithesis of like <laughs> the first time he came in, he's like, he just, it was so funny. He would do something like he, he asked Vince, like one, I think he put it in his book, like, well, what do I do with my luggage? And <laughs> you're asking me. And then he's just like immediately like, yeah, well, I'm a fucking idiot. What am I? <laughs> like, I, better, I better go ask you know, or, or one of the first things he came, he's like, I can't sit backwards because I get travel sickness. And Vince is like, 
He can't sit backwards. But, ah. it, but, but you know what? It was smart of him to be like that. Vince immediately was amused. Oh, I got a guy who gets who gets motion sickness, and he's working for <laughs> wrestling on the road. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I can't sit uh, Brian, Brian, Brian wasn't even allowed in, in the building a couple of times. He had to send a message to get me to get him in the building through security. <laughs> I work for, oh, sure you do, kid. Go back to the yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I know. I've missed that a couple of times, too. And then meanwhile, just like, you know, because oh, I don't have my, my badge. And then whoever, like, just people just walking past with no badges, whatever, because they're obviously wrestlers or Alonzo or, you know, uh -huh, no one helping them. And he's like, I can't, my badge. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so Jack, great. Jack, the play Jack, was the Jack, Jack, Lan Jack Lanz was one of the greatest guys in the world to work with, one of the greatest guys we have working for that company there. You have any great experiences with Jack or all of them? <laughs> Fucking all of them are great. In fact, at the time I, I used to smoke, so it was always like in a smoke break with Lonzo. Lonzo was another one that would be like, Well, I gotta go do this, but Lonzo's telling a story. Fuck it, that can wait. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he just was and, and that was another one because I remember a little bit like so I watched Detroit wrestling and they would roll through the, the blackjacks occasionally. And and that was one where I'd be like you know, man, if my fucking grandfather knew I was fucking hanging out with one of the black jet, that you know, the, you know that oh, that would have been something. But uh, hey, Mike Tyson you know, just, was uh, Mike Tyson was playing dominoes backstage with Godfather and a bunch of the guys and Taker and some guys. Right. And Lanza walked in, and Mike Tyson, it was like a Catholic kid meeting the Pope. Mike Tyson, <laughs> Mike Tyson got up and goes, "Oh, Mr. Lanza." Called him Mr. Lanza. Yeah. He wanted to meet him because he's a big fan. That was the yeah, one time yeah. Mike Tyson, you could tell, had grown up watching. And he was, Tyson was so respectful. It was so cool. But it was, Lanza was the one that he was uh, so so enamored with. Yeah. How about it? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He was just, fuck, what a great guy. Like, you know, just, you know, just a, like, oh, that guy just fucking walked out of the Wild West and yeah, yeah. <laughs> into wrestling and into a, you know, just, the way he talked and the way he, he ended up, you know, just like, you know, I'd be like, that guy needs to be in a movie. The way he'd like end his cigarette. Well, and then just everything, you know, uh, 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 yeah, he was great. And some great, like, you know, uh, Mad Dog Vashon stories, like, you know, just because I would say like, where, you know, we talked about wrestling. I'd be like, oh yeah, Crybaby cry Cannon. Ah, yeah, that's that piece of shit. He was a crybaby. He was Jack yeah, was he a, a chain, chain, chain smoker. You know, his wife wouldn't let him smoke at home. So uh, when he'd get to the airport, he'd buy a carton of cigarettes, and he had to make sure that entire carton of cigarettes, not a pack, but an entire carton of, that entire carton of cigarettes was gone by the time he got home. I said, Jack, you don't smoke. He said, oh, yeah, I gargle and all that stuff. I said, Jack, have you ever smelled your clothes? Go, you stink. <laughs> you stink a cigarette smoke. <laughs> well, I wash oh. my own clothes. He said, as soon as I get home, my first thing is, I'll take all my dirty clothes that she's used to from when I used to wrestle, he said, because they stunk and she wouldn't do my clothes right off the road. So I just kept in the same habit with my work clothes so she wouldn't smell all the cigarette smoke. I said, Jack, she's got to know you smoke. Your teeth are yellow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I find that hilarious. His wife, just him, like his what you know, because the way he said some things like, you know, yeah, when I die, I don't don't even bury me. I don't give a shit. And then they're like, oh, I can't smoke at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. One of the toughest guys of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I know. Cigarettes. Oh, man. He I used to, when, when, they, 
when they first banned smoking in arenas, it was the greatest oh, thing God. ever. Oh, God. Patterson. Oh, my goodness. Jerry, you've seen it a million times. <laughs> that some He'd go to light up, and some guy would come over, and he goes, hey, you can't smoke. And uh, they're enforcing the rules, you know, the local little rent-a-cop. And he goes, oh, no, Pat Patterson told me I could. And uh, <laughs> he goes, smoke. Well, then the guys would, like, say, we're going to arrest you if you smoke. So Jack would sit there, and all afternoon, he'd be talking to somebody. He'd put a cigarette in his mouth, and he'd go to light it, but he had never light it. So he'd just sit there and he'd act like he's listening, but he, he wouldn't. And he'd make the guy follow him everywhere. He'd put it back in his mouth. He'd go to light. Then he'd act like he's listening again. And it just, he would torture those guys. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I remember Vince hated smoking, but I would be like over smoking with like Lanza and he'd be like, oh, what? you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lanza came okay. in one time. We're in Minneapolis and Jack had retired for a few years before. Lanza comes in and then Vince is trying to get a show done and I'm in the production meeting and it's, you know, it's getting crunch time. Lanza comes in and wants to tell an old story and he sits there and tells this old story and Vince just listens, tells everybody to be quiet. And Vince just listens yep. to it. And then finally when oh, Jack yeah. left, Vince turned to us, he goes, that was a matter of respect. And then Vince goes, okay, <laughs> now we got a few minutes to get this done. Let's get it done. And yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, beyond respect it was just always an amazing story <laughs> oh, it's always, always always yeah oh he took and it would always be like yeah he, he was like a you know campfire storyteller because it'd be i remember he'd be like so what who kind of guys you see growing up i'd be like you know like dick the bruiser and he'd be like dick the bruiser well i was in wisconsin and i'd, I'd be like <laughs> oh i gotta stop you know and then yeah, yeah. Like, you know Tom, Tommy, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you read Jack's agent reports. I mean, they they were poetry. I mean, Jack Jack was an English yeah. teacher in high school before he started wrestling, so he would he would wow. and, and he he knew how to get them. He would always tie in a story to a video. I'm sure you read the uh, agent report from house. So he would Jerry, always I, he would always tie in Vince's dad on a lot of those a uh, lot a lot of the stories on the agent reports. More than once, no bullshit. Vince teared up reading them. I know, I, I know. Him. I, I, I did too. Oh yeah. yeah, legit. Yeah. And then and when Jack, they, Jack knew how to Jack knew how to pull those strings all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, in fact, I think I remember. I, I'm not even I'm reading one because I think Vince was like, "Finish reading this." <laughs> and it was like, and then this, <laughs> like, oh yeah, they were. I was like, yeah, because I remember like. I walked oh, out of the like, Texas sky and I looked up and I could see Vince McMahon. I could see your dad smiling down over the building. That's the reason we had such an awesome show tonight. I mean, that's oh, how yeah. he would hit those reports sometimes. <laughs> wow. I wonder if they're out there somewhere. Those they reports. I'd be. love to. Yeah. yeah. Those things would be worth a fortune. Yeah. Yeah. Because that I know, was I, all I, about. I, he wrote in detail because I saw some of them, not a lot of them, because they, they didn't want to share them with the talent. But you see some of them that he would write, they would they would share, and he'd write wow. a detailed you know about match reports, you know about Rock, Stone Cold, Taker, who who Bret Hart, whoever. Yeah, it was really yeah, interesting yeah. stuff. That'd be interesting to know if any of those are still alive out there. I know you guys are baiting me because I'm the idiot who's going to pay a thousand dollars from on eBay and then <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you probably, you yeah. probably got them right there. Yeah, John, John holds your ball. <laughs> they're they're they're, with, they're on the same side as our shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we've I only got two shirts, but we've got thousands of match reports. Yeah. Jack yep. <laughs> one one bitter me. 
<laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Tommy, you know who I've run into that uh, thinks the world of you is uh, David Keckner. Oh, yeah. Dave I've Kettner. seen him at a bunch of autograph sessions. We worked for one of the same guys. What a nice guy. And he came in as, were you there when he came in as part of the parent teacher council for one Whoa, show? That was, in fact, here's what happened. So, because I've known hey, him hey, forever. I'm sorry, for those who don't know, David Keckner played in the anchor man. He's the guy whammy, whammy on the, on the, the blackjack. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the big Texas guys. He's from Missouri, but wonderful comedian. Yeah. I, and I've known him for 30 years. We were pals back in uh, Chicago, went to school and, so this parent, so what was happening was, uh, it was funny. Uh, L Brent Bozell, if you remember that's this right. guy, he used to oh, be yeah. in charge of the parent. Yeah, that's conference. right. I forgot the name that you, yeah, that's yeah. right. So Vance what was that name? <laughs> yeah. So at the time it was funny cause wrestling was looked down upon and had, you know, uh, like, uh, people were always complaining and it was the beginning, you know, 1999, this was these, uh, like the parent teacher council would, would start these email campaigns. So they would put out to their organization, like bombard uh, your networks with why you hate wrestling. You know, it was like this kind of early internet, you know, finagling, even the parent teacher council didn't have parents or teachers in it. It was this arch conservative L Brett Bozell guy that hated wrestling and hated Vince and, you know, and all this shit. And uh, so somehow I, it caused some kind of problem with uh, either uh advertisers or going after advertisers that's what was happening it was the first time we're like we're going to start campaigns to go after advertisers against wrestling it was a really interesting time and vince was what the ratings are through the roof and our product is no you know more salacious than whatever and it's supposed to be for kids and all this shit so l brent bozell vince got pissed for something and he goes he goes to me and he goes you know what we're going to do we're going to make a character called l brent bozo and we're going to he's going to be implicated with with the godfather's whole train he's gonna we're gonna do we're gonna write him through and we're gonna and he goes get one of your you know anyone get one of your hollywood guys and i'm like we're gonna seat it in the audience where there's like a guy with a you know a sign like no this is against values and so i'm like yeah i got the perfect guy and it was like dave keckner so i called him up and like hey can you like uh some people are gonna call you if you can we want to do this character. You're the perfect big mug to be in the audience. Like, no, this is disgraceful. And, you know, and then, and it was just going to start be seating where the announcers are like, who's that guy? I see him around all the time with this sign. And so come in, meet Vince, like, oh, and, you know, Dave was perfect. Like, yeah, I'll be like this. I'll wave the finger and, oh, I love it, the finger. And boom, right. First show, he did it. And then, like, we're in Pittsburgh. We went to the second show, it was going further. He was almost going to get involved. Then something happened where Vince went to meet the advertisers in some kind of like meeting. And I remember rumor has it, he goes, I threw coffee. I remember something. And it was a thing happening where WCW, like, even though they had their advertisers, they were so hooked in with Coke, they weren't leaving. And he was trying to say, how come they're not getting screwed by the advertisers? And Vince said, we're going to just go with our, our uh, video game people. They don't care. The, the show's going to go to war against its own advertisers. It was a really interesting thing, even though the ratings were big. And then Vince came back the next week. I remember he goes, well, I, someone, where was Barry Diller or someone gave him a talking to. And he said, I come before you a beaten man. <laughs> he said that. And he's like, we will now be PG 13. You know, he had to like calm it down. I don't know exactly what happened, but he claimed that like, he probably had a, a which I would have loved to seen with these advertisers. You've, 
weak, weak son of a bitch <laughs> or something. And because I remember something happened at WCW the next week related to this, and so then the whole gimmick was just squished. So then Dave, like, and as in wrestling, was kind of like, Dave, you did great, you did two things, it's over. <laughs> you know, so and and. and and that was that, which was a shame because I was looking forward to that, oh. as was he, to him getting, you know, like, oh. That would have been awesome. He would have yeah. been so good at doing that. That would have been legendary. Absolutely. And, you know, and he's game, too. And and he hadn't, uh, so he was working and stuff, but he was game and he was nuts. And it would have been like, yep, what do you need? <laughs> it would just been like, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, yeah, perfect. And, and it was great because. It was one of those moments. Do you know anyone? I'm like, I got the perfect guy. That face, and the, you know, and when he even when he met Vince, he's like, Yeah, I'll wave the finger. Oh no, and he, oh, you know, but that's how it goes, you know. For every every for every gimmick you see, there's the you know maybe tadpole gimmick you see, a thousand die. What can you say? So so but, Tommy, uh, why did you when you got out of wrestling? You were such a successful run, one of the greatest. Uh, th those ratings will never be equaled. I don't think ever. I, you know, you say never, say never, but I don't see how any because of the way TV has changed. I don't think ratings will ever be equaled again. Yeah, and why I did, did it not, alone. That's I right. And you're, you're the sole one responsible for the entire. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why did uh, you never go stay stay in wrestling? Go back to wrestling? Did you want to do other stuff? Well, I, I put it this way: when I I made a big left turn to get into wrestling because I had plans. I you know I was leaving Conan and I produced that segment with Vince as he's on. I I, I was already like I'm leaving next month and I'm going to go to California. So I had plans to go to California. I had like a place that I, I stopped all that to go like, no, nope, I got to do this. So it wasn't like, you know, and, and, and at a certain point, I, I just, in my mind to kind of respect the business, it was almost like, are you going to marry that girl or you're going <laughs> to, are you going to leave her? You know what I mean? It got, it just was, it's like, I don't think there's doing other stuff outside of it. You know what I mean? Aspirations to like, write shows, start other kind of shows. And I worked in animation and stuff. So it was like, yeah, I, I don't feel, I don't want to be someone to be like, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to dabble in this, you know, it was so, it was like being in the circus or I just felt like that's got to be everything or I should leave, you know? And, uh, and sometimes, you know, when you eat in life, whatever you get that, I call it 51, 49, 51% of you wants to go do other stuff. 49% of you wants to stay. So it's, you know, but when you, you make the decision, you make the decision. So, you know, uh, that was that, you know, it, re it really was like, you got to be in this a hundred percent. There's no, I'm going to go and maybe I'll do other shit. And, you know, which, you know, I, I think it gets diluted or whatever. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And then, uh, do you look back on it fondly? Oh, a, a thousand percent. Super fondly. In That's fact, awesome. when I, I, you know, I love, you know, cause I, I do, me and Jerry do as well. I just, you know, we look back at the, well, what a great run, you know, I, if anything else happens, great, but what a great run. Oh, it's astonishing. And, and it lived on so much. I worked on a sitcom <laughs> and then it was funny because wrestling is a lot different. Now people forget nineties, whatever, wrestling was always looked down upon which always kind of made me like it in a way it was like it was like punk rock it was like a subculture right so even like intellectuals would be like in tv it'd be you know, like 
well, you know, that's not real. And I'd be like, oh, thanks, asshole. You know, like, yeah. what are you fucking telling me? So, but people would like, you know, uh, so when I started like pitching wrestlers to be on Conan, it was kind of like some people were like, oh, you want to have a wrestler? And I'd be like, you have a fucking third rate sitcom actor as the third guest. Boring as fuck. I go, fucking wrestlers are smarter than you think. They, they, they come in, they charm people. They're, you know, it's all dynamic. And then uh, like I, I, uh, I used to cast them in bits sometimes. This guy, Yukon Jack, would be at the and would cast the big show. He's at WCW in a bit where he was like this uh, babysitter and, you know, just certain things. And then, so it kind of, it kind of was like, uh, like funny. But, anyways, I was working on sitcoms and sometimes people would like tease me, you know, be like, oh, well, you know, this isn't like wrestling or something. And I would just sit there. I remember saying to a whole group and be like, I yearn for the professional integrity, honesty, and creativity of professional wrestling over this fucking sitcom world fuck this <laughs> like right in the meeting you know be like you got to be fucking kidding me you're going to talk about a fucking sitcom versus that world and then i would just hit him with like you know five original hours of programming a week of fucking pay-per-views once you know i'm just be like with the, like come fuck you <laughs> it would be like really like jesus christ you know, fucking look I mean, I Sorry, I brought it up, fucking yeah. sitcom writer <laughs> you know come on yeah, how, how, how was it pitching gold dust I mean, in an era where, where, like you say, people didn't look fondly on professional wrestling? And here you're pitching this this guy. I don't know how to describe uh, gold dust at his rawest at, at that time, but you got him at his rawest and you're trying to pitch him. What what was the conversation like there? Uh, well, the, Conan's great like that because Conan had, you know, kind of like, okay, some of our weirdos like things. And then he's like, I don't know nothing about it, but, you know, and Andy, in fact, Andy Richter and I—he's an old wrestling fan too. In fact, we we uh we were almost ringside at the famous uh, curtain call match in Madison Square Garden a minute ago, you know. Uh, but anyways, he kind of Andy kind of helped, like, yeah, this this is you know. This what is do you mean almost person? Like, what do you mean almost person? It's like the jump from uh, the top rope where Jimmy Snook, every guy from New York we've ever had. Oh, I was sitting third row and 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 the, the, the bleachers that night at. Uh, at Madison Square Garden when Snook had come off. So what do you mean almost there? <laughs> no, we were there. Oh, you were there. Okay. Oh, you were there. Yeah, we were like, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I remember first time I saw you, because they, they were Madison Square Garden every month. Yeah. And that was my yeah. thing. I used to take actors and people. I'd be like, you got to go see wrestling. And it was like that, like wrestling. And then they would go and they'd get blown away. But I went with um, Matt Walsh, who's a friend of Keckner's, who's on like Veep and his actor. And uh, I think it was like a house show, but it was like a month before the curtain call show, if I remember correctly. And that was the first time I saw you. And I, uh, it was either you either uh, I think like uh, uh, what is it, Portuguese Man of War or Avatar or someone? Oh, uh, Aldo uh, Montoya. Aldo Montoya, or was it Avatar? One of those. They, they had similar looking gimmicks, but you were you were with Dutch Mantel and fucking ringside. And uh, what uh, a uh, fucking... uh, Aldo had the jog strap where the other guy had the horn, so if that'll help you. <laughs> I th yeah. <laughs> I think it was the jock strap. Okay. <laughs> but uh you fucking laid a clothesline on him that you leaned into that we were there like just that people were like <laughs> the best reaction was people were like, oh <laughs> you know, like it wasn't like ooh, it was like, oh that fucking, you know, it was like that poor guy. And I was like, and that was like people who didn't go to wrestling were like, Jesus Christ, that 
that fucking that, that guy was he was out to hurt that guy because I just remember it. I remember it to this day because you had the long hair, you had the big knee brace, and just your body was like this lean, and it just was like, yeah, and you you just heard it the whole. It was just like wow. So I always remember, and you were Justin Hawk Bradshaw. I That's think, right. That, that was the Garden yeah. clothesline. That was different from the Poughkeepsie clothesline. <laughs> that was that was like oh. You know, <laughs> that was something. So, but, uh, um, oh, so anyways, Andy was like, probably like, yeah, you gotta have gold dust. He's, you know, and I think we showed him something or something. He just trusted us. He's like, okay, this is going to be crazy. And then we kind of thought, was like, yeah, you'll come out and he'll, you'll come out and you'll intimidate him. And Conan will be like, oh, whatever. If you have it, we'll throw it a commercial. It'll be easy. It'll be, you know, like, especially that show. Like I said, man, that third act, you get those, actors come out hey here's on this fucking sitcom no one blah 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 who cares and just like we'll hit the lights you got gold dust will come down people will be like what the fuck he'll come up and then he'll try to intimidate you and you'll just if, if you, you'll feel it as far as it goes or just throw it a commercial and you'll just he'll chase you out that simple you know and they'll be like all right let's do it and then then he came in and in a rehearsal and then it was like you know conan was like enamored hey how are you like oh this oh tremendous and as you know even when I worked for SNL, I was the Rock's personal writer when he was on that time. It was the same thing. It was like these guys do more live TV than fuck you know. They'll they're they'll come. What do we got to do? Got to do this, you know. And, and they're not babies, and and they're you know physically charismatic, personally charismatic, and it always worked great for me. Every time I had a wrestler in a bit on Conan, it was just always a home run. And that was part of it too. Like yeah, they always work, and then great segment you know and you know he, he's not he didn't care about the controversy or anything you know that was one of the great things about me and ron was, was and our characters were when they had celebrities come to us because after a while people wanted to come because our show had such high ratings because of you all right because of, solely because of you <laughs> yeah, <doing> <laughs> we got we got to do all the celebrity interactions with me and ron like i'll just put them at the poker table with john and ron and we'll figure it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was fun and that was the great thing too is sometimes people like it's like, I remember like the APA was kind of like, I talked it up to Vince and be like, these guys are great. And then there were so many things that I didn't do uh, that like, like the door, like with the door frame, it wasn't like, it's kind of like, it was just such a group effort. I was like, who, fu that's fucking hilarious. How fucking strange is that? You know, you know, you always had a door, Hey, then knock and so many things kept like, you know, would build like that. In fact, I tell people this, that's how great wrestling was at that time. So, Kurt Angle would see him in some dark matches when I first started working there. And Vince, what would you think of this guy? I'm like, well, he's fucking incredible. But at the same time, like, wrestling's weird. Like, how many people appreciate the the skill of the Olympic athlete? I don't like, you know, and, and you know, you could, to, to be a devil's advocate, you'd be like, oh, maybe it's a little flat. I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you do with them? You know, because a lot of it, uh, guys, even like Rocky Maivia are people that come in and like, you know, and everyone can be Bob Backlund, so, you know, weird, but, you know, that kind of like, I'm just all American. It's like, mm, you know, especially in that attitude era. And then I came in one week and they just played that promo where Kurt, you know, was like so into himself in my three eyes. And just the way the music, it, it just went so far into like, oh, he's an 80s baby face. And then Vince was like, look at this. And I'm like, oh, he's like conceited and misunderstood. And I'm like, Oh, that fucking is great. I think I think he's over to me immediately. He's a new kind of fucking heel. Especially then, it was tricky because the heels were like the anti-heroes. Steve Austin was like Clint Eastwood. Like, 
how do you have a baby face when people are rooting for the heel and the baby face is a heel? Here's a new kind of guy that fits like, I'm just vapid, but I'm, well, I don't get it. What are you talking about? And so from that, I'm like, it, we just, the ball started rolling. And to this day, it was so fast. I don't even know who made that promo or who behind the scenes went with Kurt or Vince to be like, film that thing. But to me, that just started the ball rolling. Once I saw that, that super cheesy All-American promo, I'm like, he's over. I know what to do with him. And I still don't know who did it, <laughs> you know? Oh, and Kurt is one of those guys. But I'll claim I'm sorry, he's one of the few guys that says come in and on top and stayed on top. You know, Kurt yeah. Kurt didn't have a long progression up to the top. He came in and he was yeah. over like crazy and then got more yeah. over. I mean, it just, he's a yeah. remarkable person, the, what he's done. Because especially he had all the fucking tools and was literally like, sometimes you forget, oh, you want a, a fucking gold medal in yeah. fucking red? Holy fuck. He wasn't good. He was like the best in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and to hang around with him, he was like, he had this funny humility. Like he'd say like, which was always cracking me up. Like he goes, oh, you should see my brother. He's tough. We're like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> Your brother's the tough one. But you know, like he had that, uh, he fucking got everything. But like, I remember one time we gave him this stuff and then there was a huge pop. And then he like cut it and came out which he should have done. Cause sometimes it's like this in whatever improv comedy, whatever you kind of are like, Oh, I'm not going to beat that pop. I should just go out. You know, I'm not going to be a, get a bigger laugh than that. I'm not going to, I shouldn't do this, the third thing. And he came off and he was like, Hey, I'm sorry. I just felt like it got so big. I didn't do the last thing. And he's apologizing. And I'm like, oh, you fucking get it. You're perfect. What are you fucking, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're applying, that's what a fucking comedian, uh, improv comedian would do. Like, absolutely, you don't, don't belabor it. And he's like, oh, thanks. Like, and I'm like, and he's just like that all, all shucks. Oh, he fucking gets that too. Like, perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. He's great. The best was in Pittsburgh. Oh, it was so fun. Gortz and I were like, okay, he's in Pittsburgh. That's the gimmick. Like, uh, you know, so it's like, oh, how fun. Like, Pittsburgh, you're so depressed. The you know, the steel mills. You're, everyone's out there getting fat. They don't have jobs. They need a hero, you know, and boo. Like, why are you booing? I don't get it. And then I remember going like, no one's more beloved in Pittsburgh than Mario Lemieux, who's the, the most incredible hockey player. And he was the owner at the, of the team. And they, they literally made a waiver to the Hall of Fame. They said, don't wait the five years. He goes in and it's like all storybook shit, right? Mario Lemieux and Pittsburgh. And he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. He had cancer. And then he came back, you know, and then he, but he quit playing. <laughs> and we, we put the line like, how about we, you need a hero. Because unfortunately, Mario Lemieux couldn't find the courage to come back <laughs> and play hockey. So I'm here to be your hero. And we, I remember like, and even he was like, and Pittsburgh's his hometown. And he was just like, I remember his face. And he's like, oh, they're going to hate me. And it was just like, <laughs> that was so fun in that igloo, that igloo dome. Yeah. And just watching that and him going out there with that fucking big smile and like, and then going like, what? And that boo was just like, boo. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. And he, and just that I'm getting goosebumps. But he came back and was like, great job guys. They fucking hate me, you know? And I was like, Oh, you so good. So it's good. the greatest thing ever with a heel. Cause a heel always thinks they're right. And they don't understand why yeah. people blew, you know, that's, that's yeah. the essence of a heel. It, it, and Kurt was so good at it. 
Absolutely. And and befuddled, like, what? What is right. like, what is <laughs> yeah, wrong with can't figure out why yeah. they don't like you. That, that, that's yeah. what made Kirk was just just reaction from getting booed. Why are you booing me? I'm an all-American boy. I'm your hero. Yeah. But he lived, it was he just, lived it. Yeah, it was so much fun, and you just could do so much shit. With, I remember once, because it was the Stephanie thing and, the, and the, uh, the the romance angle or whatever, and I just we were just in the hallway. I think it was in Baltimore or something, and filming some and then they had to pass each other after they were you know one of those like and then he runs into stephanie and says something so and then it was so tight and i just had him do it again i'm like why don't you guys just like bump into each other so much but then one awkwardly i'm going this way and going that way but there's like sexual tension because oh i'm sorry excuse me oh and i'm and i just like do no do it again but do it like five times just because it's so funny because oh it's the boss's daughter oh sorry pardon me Oh, I'm squeezing past you, and oh, I know. And then Kurt was just so good at it, and I was like, "Fuck it, let's leave it." In. You know, and then back then yeah. too, it'd be like, you had you had some, you know, ability. Everyone wasn't so paranoid of Vince, or at least I wasn't. It was fun, you know, because it would be like, just leave it in. And then here comes Vince, and you didn't know, like, he's gonna be like, "What the fuck is that?" You know, they're what, are they making? You know, and, and, and he's like. I love it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But uh, you, you just do stuff like that, like on the fly. And since it was like live, live, or one of those things like live to tape, like take it to the truck. Vince will see it when it's on. <laughs> you know? And if he's, and then you know he can't be that pissed because it's on. <laughs> right? So, okay. Fuck you it. know, and for the most part, Vince never got mad as long as you were trying. As long as you were trying hard Absolutely. and your your mind was in the right place. It wasn't your wasn't because of your own ego, it's because you wanted to try to do something for the show. Vince didn't mind that. No, and in fact, you could even you know, yell back at him and says, well, I thought it was the right thing to do. Like, oh, all right, well, no, it wasn't. That, that answer right. always yeah. worked. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Like uh, oh my God, one time another uh Vince was just my fucking hero on this. Uh, I would say there was a, uh, a writer who sometimes was saying uh, things like kind of like chiming in. At, it's, it's a common writer thing, especially in Hollywood, like chiming in after the fact. Someone says it should like Vince would say like this, like, yeah, that's right. Right. You know, it'd be like, mm hmm. And then Vince, that wasn't no good. Like, no, you know, and like, you know, and he kind of bug you like, yeah, you're just fucking you're just like two seconds behind Vince. And if he shakes his head, no, you're like, no, no. And if it is yet, yeah. yeah. So I kind of was like talking about it and Vince kind of like caught wind of like, what, what is he doing? Like, oh, you know, like, well, that happens. So Vince uh, just took it upon himself, kind of for me and Brian, because we were like just talking about it. He said, uh, um, well, uh, something, th th this should happen like this. And he'd wave his head like this. And then he'd look at that writer who's going like this, like, yep. And then he goes, of course, unless it was like this. And then he'd move his head like that. And then the writer would do that. <laughs> and then fucking out of the blue he just goes well maybe i don't know and he went looked at him and he made his head go round like that <laughs> just to the guy. and the guy, the guy just looked at him like and i'm like oh vince is doing that for us that's what oh he was just like vince does no wrong this day that was just so funny and just like i was like god damn it it's just like he, he hated yes people I mean, hated them. Yeah. <laughs> people, you know, mistaken Vince in this big alpha male. They thought, oh, they're gonna, people want you to kiss up to him. He he hated that. Yeah. He was just there the was, uh, Man, one time, fuck, it's so funny. <laughs> it was, uh, I had, it was an interview, it was Big Show and Jericho and something. I don't know, leading up to 
and someone else. And it did something. I think Big Show was sitting, and I don't know for some reason. And it was like it was really funny. Something worked really good. I thought, oh, it's great with the truck. Vince, God damn it, who did that? Like I did it. Like, uh, and uh, he goes, you can't have the Big Show. Sit. Something fuck bug up his ass. So I, oh fuck, sorry. I thought it was the right thing to do. You know. And I thought it was really good. And then the timing was great because um, uh, Kevin Dunn came in, like set the show. He's like, "Oh man, that big show Jericho segment, oh, it was great!" You know. <laughs> and Vince, and Vince, like literally went, "Oh God damn it!" Like, <laughs> like he was mad that he usurped his. And then I and I just said like, "That was my fault." And then Vince like looked at me kind of high and was like, "Oh, I think." Ooh, I think he's kind of hot. And I like that. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have do that. But I just kind of backed away. But I just remember, I was like, my, <laughs> my favorite moment. Like, because sometimes it is like, if it passes the muster, it passes the muster. But the way I always look at it, too, it's even like pitching things. It's Vince's company, it's his prerogative. If I pitch something, I think it's the right thing, shut down. I'll maybe pitch it one more time because I didn't think I didn't get it over correctly. And then after that, it's dead. I hate it. Fuck it. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> yeah, you know? And, yeah. and why is it like that? Because I look at him like, fuck, the guy's made so many thousands of decisions. Sure, tons of them are boners. But for the most part, they're not. And it's his prerogative. You know, Bill Parcells said this. I always remember it was like, hey, it doesn't always have to be the right way, but it has to be one way. And I'm like, oh, that makes fucking sense. You know, so it's like football. Right? Like, yeah, you can't be, you know. You can't be on the line going like, oh, he's calling a fucking running play. I don't think this is right. Like, fuck, the fucking play's called. <laughs> you know, like, what the, you know, so yeah, that's why I always thought about him, you know. And even I told him once too when, when the XFL, <laughs> Tom, after some fell apart, and I'm like, that's not the biggest loser thing in the world to be like, oh, my pro football league failed. Like, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That, that's right. That, that's a great, that's yeah. one of the best points I've ever heard about. Yeah, it. really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like rats. My rocket ship to the moon blew up. Yeah. I, got, I set up a league to compete with the NFL and it didn't quite work out. Boy, that, yeah. What a shame. Yeah, what a loser. Yeah. Yeah. What a, yeah. Yeah, you had teams and stadiums and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, and and good cheerleaders. Yeah, cheerleaders. Tommy, what are you doing now? Uh well, right now I'm uh, 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 bidding <laughs> farewell to the writer's strike. That's good, but uh, I'm uh, you know, a lot of things I work on now don't get made. You know, so Hollywood's <laughs> weird. Like things you make money on. You never see, you know, and then, uh, but I'm still, uh, uh, working on a couple cartoons, you know, that, uh, might come out, nothing currently, uh, happening, but I've done, uh, I did a, a cartoon for many years called Metalocalypse on, uh, Adult Swim, yeah, did good. I did a, a wrestling cartoon called Mongo Wrestling Alliance. Everyone go look at that in an Adult Swim. That was, uh, with, uh, Harry Dean Stanton is one of the old wrestlers and, uh, just, you know, developing a lot of stuff for people like uh uh you know helping with uh pitches getting shows off the ground or you know development deals and bullshit like that uh so uh i'm pretty uh excited about a couple things maybe happening but you know this business is even worse for like you need to go it's basically getting a tv show on the air is like winning 12 consecutive games of cards you know what i mean okay got that one got that one you know and there's always and sometimes one of the last things is like, oh, everyone got fired. There's a new executive. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, so so there's all those aspects I miss about wrestling too. Like there's tenure, there's a guy, you know what I mean? And you yeah. know, and I, I I tend to like, you know, I still I wax poetic about the old wrestling too. But I'll tell you this too, I have sold three different behind the scenes wrestling shows since I left wrestling. None of them made it to air, but I sold three of them. So in in fact, uh, it's been so long. I swear, one of them, the third one I sold was really the first one was just some different names. <laughs> and, you know, I think I'm going to go out and do that again. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, one of these times, uh, I'll I'll get one going. And uh, in fact, I'm I'm thinking about trying to develop one with with Keckner about a you know a wrestling promoter. But I had a couple. With, you know, we had we went with. Uh, a guy who directed all the Larry Sanders shows was into it as a director and it went to pitched it everywhere. And, you know, it, it, it didn't happen, but it was, I, I, I like it. And, you know, but uh, it's one of those things where, well, that was like half a year of uh, hard work and got paid and people dug it, but it didn't go, you know? So that's, that's the business. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for joining us. I've been looking forward to seeing you again. I, we, me and Ron had so yeah. much fun working with you. You're one of the really are one of the great guys that uh, I got to meet in the business, and uh, it's so it's so good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, and likewise, you know, I always like fuck. I remember so, so many fond memories of you guys, even in, in in the education about wrestling, which was like when the when the Dudley Boys came in, and I knew like, oh, they got to be th- that's their first you know obstacle, knowing like they faced you guys and it's like, Oh yeah, they got a, and I remember just you guys beating the shit out of the Dudley boys. And I remember them just like, and then they went like, thank you, sir. <laughs> and go and, and shake your hand. And I'll never forget. One of the most amazing things I saw was Ron Simmons picking up a 55 gallon oil yeah. drum, which people can pick up, but he, he gave a working blow because he's so fucking strong. That's right. You know, he that's had to right. be like, oh, I'm, I'm pretending I'm hitting you with it because it's, it's like, that's a fucking oil drum. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know, he's like faking it with an oil drum. Uh, it's like, like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. a, yeah. Yeah. What a blast. And then, uh, Jerry, likewise, it was like, you're, you're one of the best, like, you know, just segues to be there, like you and, and Jack Lonzo to be like, because you are kind of thrown to the wolves when you first work there. Like, wait, what's yeah. happening? I'm yeah. producing segments and Vince is like, go make something happen. Like, well, yeah. what the fuck yeah. does that mean? You know, <laughs> and uh, and you guys were like, and, and especially the the, uh, the legend of Jerry Briscoe, because I'm like, oh, Jerry's behind the scene guy. And then the more I delved into like, hey, wait a minute, Jerry's like, oh, yeah, he's sly like a fox. Hey, did you know Jerry, he used to own uh, this other thing? Yeah, he had a piece of it. Well, hold on. The more I fucking scratched at the Jerry Briscoe shit, like, <laughs> fuck! And, you know, there's so much stuff in there. But, and, and, but yet, like, to know you or to see you're just like, mm, even keel, and especially in, yeah. in this business as people, you know, as you know, nefarious characters. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, yeah. you know. Well, thank, thank you, Tommy. You know, the thing about it is, you know, you're, 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 you're in a business. You're in a business that's not looked at real, real good. So you get creative guys that come in. And if you got an open mind and you want to see the business grow, you you adopt those guys that come in. You, you, you like guys like you and Brian and Ed Kosky now and a couple of other guys that, that's been around. I mean, I became friends with you guys because I enjoyed your creativity, and I enjoyed most of all, I enjoyed your respect towards our business there. Which, when you know, you 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 work with some, I'm I'm sure come come in. Well, it's wrestling, you know. I don't have to have my A game. Bullshit, you yeah. know. With us, yeah, yeah. especially, you got to have your A game. And you always you always brought it, and you were always there. 
You never look down on anybody. Man, it was a pleasure working with you. And man, it's been a pleasure having you on this show. We, we've been working on this about a year now, trying to trying to work out the logistics of it. We finally did. It took you moving to Texas, I think, for your rest to get you on the show. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I would love to do it again because I it's just now it's just jogging my memory for like oh and then this happened this happened and this happened but if if I do come back I I do need I do well need there'll a be a part two man we'll, <laughs> we'll get you we'll a shirt get you, we'll get you a shirt for part two we might even right, just man. put part two on there. <laughs>